Hey, how you doing, man? Hello. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the um mic levels are kind of the same. <laughs> um, we'll see. And, and you sound great to me uh, as far as uh, levels go. I mean, it's I have not. Skype keeps changing their interface, and they and now they do things like this automatic leveling. That's a little frustrating. Um, uh huh. But uh, you know, I can't. I can't sweat it, man. Yeah. Sweetest <laughs> of my worries yeah. at this at this point. So yeah. you can hear yeah, me fine. Yeah. I just, I just want to talk to you, and as far as recording goes, it's um, you know people people listen if they want to and. Yeah, yeah, a good point. And uh, yeah, in fact, I can record if you want. Um, I think I have that option. Well, so I did. Uh, so Skype does have a rec- built-in record feature, which I am using. Um, oh, you are. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <clears throat> if you've Thanks. got a, if you want to do like some backup method or whatever, to- totally. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I've been using this yep. lately, and this has been actually. Uh, surprisingly effective i used to always use an external recorder mm. and um you know i mean it's, it's just amazing that now it's just amazing to me how things have changed in such a way uh you know for example just this year someone was talking to me about podcasting and they're like you know we've talked about you know how podcasting mm. has become really popular in the last few years and there are services for you know $20 a month they will do all the code to ensure that you're on every podcast outlet and all these different things and you know all that stuff wasn't there just a few years ago when we were starting out like so all of that all the infrastructure we have was built by Guillaume who had to do it from scratch and um so as new yeah. outlets came out, you know, it was sort of like we were fucked. It's like, well, we're on iTunes, but then Spotify comes out, you know, then you, how do you get on that and all this sort of stuff. And then it's like now, if I really wanted yeah. to pursue podcasting again, it's like, well, okay, for 20 fucking bucks, I could do that. You know, um, it's just, it's just yeah. incredible uh, how quickly things change. Um, even like, so even the Skype recorder, you just have to pay to, you know, buy a, either like have a, a method for recording, like having a, a soundboard and stuff like that, um, or just buying a digital recorder. Uh, they used to have like these sort of uh, Skype interface ones. Um, and over the years, I had to buy multiple of those. So anyway, this just yeah. means I'm like an old fucking dude, but uh, it's it's <laughs> no, incredible. Totally. <laughs> it's incredible that like someone starting out tomorrow could probably have a wider reach than I've had after how many years because of just like just the advancements and uh, streamlining all this stuff. And that's, that's, that's yeah. honestly, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because it allows, it'll allow more people to get more information out there in the future. So, mm-hmm. No, but I know it is strange how in, in just a short period of time, um, a lot of the intermediate steps that we had to take, like, yeah, setting up an actual website and stuff get, like shortened, like the, the, I don't know, the distance between expressing something and it being in, in the sort of more or less the format that you imagined it. (laughs) 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of weird, almost sort of yeah, a little spooky. <laughs> but, um... So have I mean I don't want to uh, you know go too personal, particularly on. A, I mean, if you want to you know go there on a friendly mm -hmm. basis, you know, we can cut some stuff out or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm curious. You know, just let's even start with that end of. Are you? I know you want to take take a little break as far as uh, having the ideas and getting them out there, and that shorter the distance uh, comment you just made. Are you in a spot now where you're looking to make more videos and kind of? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's strange. It's kind of. Um, I think I've gone through a period of wondering to what extent the ability to put stuff out on the internet so quickly and so efficiently was um, helping me. Uh, because I think, in a sense, I kind of developed an addiction maybe to, to making stuff, to being creative, to making art. And for a long time, I'd been a big fan of... Um, the idea Terence McKenna has that, you know, we should just push the art pedal to the floor and make as much art as we can. And that the effect of that would be psychedelic culturally. And that that would, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, um, help us integrate a bunch of repressed fears and desires and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I guess 2020, like just the beginning of 2020, January, uh, in fact, yeah, I mean, to get specific, the, the, the um, what is it, the Pluto-Saturn conjunction, which, I mean, that's a whole other topic. But um, in any case, it, it stuff started to appear in my personal life that made me realize how much I missed being outside of my room, not making art for an audience online, but actually having conversations with friends, with real people, encounters with people <laughs> in actual space. Um, sort of how much I, I could feel that the way I had channeled all of my energy into, let's say, audience-based art had left very little space in my mind for everything else and and yeah i i guess it just really felt like a an opportunity to rethink a lot of these let's say terence mckenna-ish kind of ideas of of how how yeah how much do i want to rely on art as being like the, the solution to everything <laughs> in a sense when i put it that way it almost sounds a little scary right it's a little sort of um absolutist to 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 have this idea that there is one material um activity let's say expressing yourself uh in some sort of an 
artist audience kind of way that is the main thing that the world needs right now as if you know to say that it, it that, that that that's the key and that it can't lead you astray and that it can't have its own problems and that it can't um actually defeat its own purpose right all of these things uh all of these ideas i guess i've had to sort of I, i've been re <laughs> re-navigating or something yeah <laughs> for sure yeah uh so just just to be just to, I don't know, kind of clarify, you know, I've listened to a lot of McKenna and I, I also, I mean, I'm literally working, I've just finished this week a script about McKenna. I'm working on a video about McKenna. So, um, Ooh. uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't, I don't know, I don't want to say it doesn't age well, but, uh, I would say more often than not. His stuff does age well in the sense that I never got the impression of an absolutist, like, I, and I know exactly the, the, the stuff you're talking about. It's like, um, I actually was going to use a clip. I decided to cut this, uh, this out, but um, he has a thing where he talks about like memes, right? Launch your meme boldly. This is, this is the way that you can, you know, enter into the future is whatever your idea is, put it out there, let it exist. And it's sort of um, a, a Darwinian, you know, survival of the fittest of these ideas. Um, yeah. And I still, even in that, I don't get the impression of anything being absolutist from him as far as saying... no. This is what you must do. It's more like, well, this is the best thing I can think of to do, <laughs> right? I'm mm. like, presented with a very strange universe with a lot of problems. You know, what's the best thing you can do? And it's like, ah, make art. Um, and it's it's also the the answer that Vonnegut gave, um, or and, you know, oh, right. pro probably you know most people who like came to that conclusion for themselves. It's like, well, that's that's what worked for them. Um, but I don't, I don't see, I, I don't, yeah. I never got the impression of, of McKenna being like, shut off your social interactions or hold yourself up. I think these no. are, <laughs> right. These are the problems that, and again, I was going to say, I sympathize very, very much. Um, I did that to myself, you know, particularly years ago when the sync book was really, Becoming a thing or trying to become a thing um, that really consumed me. And so I, I sympathize incredibly. But I think the fault for that is less on the idea of making art and more on you and I as people who are maybe, you know, all or nothing type people. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, it's like, you don't, you don't know how to, you know, it's like, I think a lot of this comes down to finding a balance. So even for myself now, the only way I'm able to kind of do this stuff again is by almost like limiting my time, you know, the way you'd be like, well, I don't want to spend too much time on Facebook. It's like, well, if I notice I'm sitting in front of my computer, yeah. even, if I'm, <laughs> even if I'm enjoying what I'm working on, it's like, oh, right, there's other people that I have to interact with and there's um, 
both you know your your friends and your relationships and family and pets and society and all those sorts of things are so important and uh unplugging from the computer is is really important um but yeah. uh i also so again being an all or nothing person just to say i years ago after i was sort of convinced to you know put up a paywall on this website and do all these things that turned into as you said like this like audience based art i think that's that's a, another important distinction to make it's like i love making artwork for myself and for the act of creation and then when there's audience based creation thinking about it that's so much more nerve-wracking um and maybe you know there's just there's so much that comes with that of uh, being authentic and genuine what you know once once you're thinking about oh well these people like it or etc etc um, particularly if you're trying to fucking sell it um so yeah i think yeah. the again yeah. these balances all come down to like finding that good middle ground and figuring out what what actually do you want to create um for yourself or for for others but uh i don't know for the right reasons and in the right in the right balance and you know in the right sort of measure of time management and all those things um yeah 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 no that's that's funny that's an interesting idea of um treating let's say treating creativity in the same way that we can treat uh playing video games when you know like when when you're a kid and you only get like two hours to play video games or whatever like (laughs) this idea that you you have to somehow even with things that are creative and not receptive like watching tv you could uh overindulge uh or, or or maybe do it in a yeah in a way that 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 requires more more reflection or something and uh, b- by the way uh, that's amazing um that you're making a Terence McKenna script slash book. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Oh, I, not, I oh think, yeah, not, yeah. just be clear, not book. So basically, um, oh, right, I've, been right. doing this, I've been doing this video series that's uh, Hindsight 2020. Mm. And mm. yes, uh, so I put out three episodes so far. And I'm up to the fourth episode, uh, which again, I finished the script this week. Uh, and basically, it's just I want to talk, you know, it's more about 2012 as a whole. So McKenna is maybe the first mm-hmm. third or something like that. And for him, I sort of more more treat him as just sort of the historical context of who he was um, in, in that scene and in that moment um, with less on interpretation or, or, or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just sort of like look, looking, and again, this is focusing on McKenna's time wave, not even focusing on his other work. So um, mm. it's just, it's a, it's a rather specific uh, thing, but just to say uh, it, it has made me in the last few months, I've been, um, between the last two months, I've 
been re-listening to a lot of you know McKenna talks and so they're trying to get a sense of like you might be looking for like a great soundbite or what did I want to I don't know what did I want to say about him um all these sorts of things and I ended up most of the things that I wanted to say about him I ended up cutting out of the the script again there just wasn't room to mm-hmm. like cover a sort of history and then go into depth on stuff it's like well that would be like almost like its own video then but in my own mind sort of um rethinking my relationship to this this person who i feel like culturally and personally sort of had a had his moment right there was like a resurgence coming up to 2012 um yeah. He has this resurgence, and even if it's less to do with Time Wave, he, you know, just the internet was covered in Terrence McKenna. You go to YouTube and type Terrence McKenna and get a billion results, right? And you still still can. Um, but those videos used to be really popular, uh, and people would be listening to those lectures, and people would be commenting on it and quoting him. And then I feel like in the last few years, it's been less... Uh, important and he's sort of like fallen back out of vogue uh but i'm a thought that i had is that you know here in the states and i want to be clear and i'm talking so marijuana legalization is one thing Mm -hmm. but there are uh in california there were places that were like legalizing mushrooms and uh ayahuasca and things like that right and or even even and I will say for marijuana like high dose edibles, um, mm-hmm. these things are legal. And in the last few years, like there was a hit piece done when Denver first legalized marijuana and became this sort of tourist destination. And this woman, like this New York Times journalist goes there and takes a bunch of, like, eats a a, a medical-grade candy bar and has this existential nightmare in her her hotel room and writes this hit piece about, like, how dangerous that is. And it's like, well, you fucking idiot. That's not how you do this. You should know. Did you do any research? Did you think this through at all? And um, since yeah. then, and, and now again, as as more and more things have become legal, you know, and legal, I, by that I just mean like, uh, maybe increased accessibility. Uh, as in, I've, I support legalizing all this stuff. I'm actually fairly pro-psychedelics and all this sort of stuff. But um, mm. as the accessibility increases without the converse, while the conversation is quieter... That's what scares me, yeah. and I'm yeah. uh, almost like, as much as I could say, I do have a lot of issues with McKenna and, and that sort of school of thought, um, while there are issues I could take, I find myself now, in 2020, more sympathetic to those voices in the sense that they're probably more needed now in... 2012, you know, there were people experimenting with these things and this mindset. Um, but now those experiments are going to be done yeah. more low-key, without conversation, without a network. Um, 
and it's uh, I just feel like there's there's something to be said for these these voices from the past. You know, your Robert Anton Wilsons, your McKenna's, your Wearies, your whomever, who like they, uh, let me probably say Ram Dass or Weary, but uh, mm-hmm. anyway, to say that the, the voices of people who like, hey, I really went through this territory, and this is what I learned from it. This is how I learned to handle it. This is maybe the dose that is appropriate, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's it's, it's just, just yeah. sort of. No, it, it, it it's funny because um I, yeah I agree I think that. Terence McKenna, I think. Needs to be. Rediscovered, I think, I think like I I had this intuition that somehow. I would like to. Be more be critical of him in order that in order in order for his ideas to come out into the light um in because uh, the the way sometimes he is instantly just shot down is you know with just easy kind of things like well 2020 didn't happen the way we imagined it would that you know that's what critics would say etc uh and and so on and, and with with these easy kind of criticisms you can uh, allow yourself to not listen to him <laughs> and to not take him seriously and and i agree i think that uh in some way it is funny how 2020 was like i, I discovered mckenna in 20 i mean in 2012 sorry uh he yeah it it it, it does seem like it's kind of like a a wave of interest in this before it begins to be legalized. And then as it begins to be legalized, it's almost as if there is a, a fear surrounding it or something that, that quiets down these kinds of thoughts. I get the feeling maybe that also the discussion about these things is, um, is becoming more technical and less philosophical uh, in that, uh, I don't know, you see articles now about, yeah, like, you know, medical um, benefits or uh, things that can be explained neatly in like scientific ways almost, which is, is great. Like these kinds of experiments of how weed affects this thing or this other thing. Uh, cool but it's almost as if um maybe i don't know maybe this is too bold an assertion but it's almost as if these kinds of uh ideas allow people to think that there is no further need to for um a more mm, i don't know a, a, a more non-scientific kind of discussion on this i i, I don't know a more philosophical discussion I think I I think it's the philosophical because yeah so you're seeing the scientific Mm. and I'm seeing and also and bear in mind you know I work I work in a bar setting so like I see in the last you know few years as like these um, Mm. vape vape pens became available where people could just literally walk around high all the fucking time 
you know, myself included on, on some of these days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, again, it's not a place of judgment um, per se, uh, or or if there's judgment, it's it's judging my own actions. It's um, yeah. it's to say it became a thing where it's like, okay, this is just part of my day is being high or how much can I smoke or um, and as I see some of the stronger psychoactive agents getting normalized in that way I'm always I'm of the mindset of like I'd uh, that kind of environment that kind of mindset of like recreational psychedelic use for like just like kind of having fun is mm. yeah I don't know um, I feel like it's sort sort of missing the point mm-hmm. um, and and potentially you know just potentially ha- raises more issues but I don't know. I guess you know. There's a hell of a lot mm-hmm. of sand traps around philosophical, existential oh, yeah. nightmares too. So I, I guess it's all you know. It's all comes. It's all a mixed bag. As I'm as I'm saying it out loud, I'm always I'm like, well, mm. it's not like it's not like being alone in your room and meditating on psychedelics isn't dangerous. It sure as fuck is. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. In, in, in fact, be careful. This, your child could yeah. get into synchronicity and magic and. <laughs> oh absolutely yeah well that's that's funny because i mean yeah that that's that's exactly the point isn't it i think well the, the synchronicity in some way is is definitely tied into this in that um the way uh meditation for example i think and i may be jumping to a wrong conclusion here i think meditation has also been treated in the same way that the main the way the mainstream has absorbed meditation is by stripping it away of any potential for it to spark synchronicities <laughs> or, or things of that nature. Um, it's corporate yoga. Yeah. Like do this thing to keep mm. you calm and productive, not to step outside yeah. the box. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's funny cause then like what you were saying, this journalist who had a bad experience on edibles, um, it, these kinds of articles, sort of presuppose that these things be it weed meditation whatever are only um going to give you nice good experiences in a certain definition of of what nice and good means and then and all sorts of things like that like that that in, in it's precisely the fact that that psychedelics and meditation can bring up uh scary things that you hmm. didn't want to confront that is that is sort of of value here i mean it's not, the not true exclusively, you know yeah mm-hmm. oh a bad a bad a, a quote unquote bad mm-hmm. uh yeah I, i'm with you i'm right there with you that's the medicinal I mean, yeah. experience yeah because because like uh and then it's funny because the the let's say the bad part of it is in some way i i personally find it some it's tied into synchronicity in that 
synchronicity is yeah again it can be a very joyful thing and it can also sort of as we know it can be sort of it can bring up stuff and correlations that you maybe didn't want to see or, or think about um it reminds me of terence mckenna says this in relation to mushrooms how the mushroom trip for him and and for me as well it be, it be, it began with like it begins with mm, dancing mice and candy sticks and like fun things fun in an almost cartoon kind of way and then it's almost as if as you move through that it it present it it, it gets more and more um challenging maybe is the word i don't know if that's even the 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 right vocabulary it's not it's not like an upward challenge exactly but it's there is something about these issues meditation synchronicity and all this stuff that it's as if the the first experiences can sometimes be very nice like like honey or something that lures you in and then once you're in it uh devours you or something uh and and i think that there is something i think that there is something to be said about um, the importance of being devoured in a sense like this is just a stray thought here but it's as if the way that the mainstream has adopted both psychedelics and uh, meditation is as something to almost enhance your control over your life and and something that you should have control over which is true of course because i mean a complete lack of control with these things especially with psychedelics uh, it, it can can it can stop being a medicine very quickly, but it's as if it's, it's the, uh, the way the mainstream seems to really reject the idea that there is anything good about submission that, you know, we should all be in full control all the time of everything. Uh, I think that, uh, precisely because of that, maybe, there is a way in which when synchronicities appear in people's lives, it, the, the sense of there being uh, a control that is out of your control, right? Because there there seems to be a constellation that is controlled in itself. Which it's or, or organized in some way in itself, like a, uh, like a structure, but it is not in your control. That... I think there is some issue about um, control here that, that that sparks a lot of the fear surrounding these things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's beautifully beautifully said. Um, I mean, that brings up a, a lot for me uh, mm. personally, like synchronicities. Um, but but even just uh, again, I think that that was sort of my point of like the you know, the quote-unquote recreational use of this stuff, <clears throat> which is, can you handle your shit? Mm. Um, as you said, that's sort of like um, the control method of like, uh, I go out and I'm drinking, and then um, you, you know, can you handle your liquor? And it's like, well, now you're throwing in all these other things. Can you handle, can you handle your 
intoxicants and still have a good time and, and not be a weirdo or, or you know, ruin the evening for people and et cetera, et cetera, right? So it becomes this issue of control, mm. whereas the, the personal sort of psychedelic slash meditative slash whatever experience is, oh, I'm, I'm literally letting myself lose control to see what else comes up there or what, you know, what, what I need to, what is no longer serving me. Mm. Um, and I think, so you said the importance of being devoured and I, uh, my, my first thing that comes up is that, so I had this experience, 2016 was sort of the breaking point for me. And, um, we did this, uh, like live, you know, sync summit thing in 2016. And I had, my life was falling apart just as that was coming together. And, uh, so that, that's a sort of big mm-hmm. end point for me or a turning point for me at least. And, um, the, I had to look, the, uh, the poster for that was like based off the Jaws poster and it said, prepare to be devoured. And I, <laughs> and I look back on that moment as like, yeah. oh, that, that experience fucking devoured me in a yeah in a life altering really that was a rough fucking experience it was a rough time and i often think back about like well i literally made this thing like well get ready to have your shit you know torn up but like i was still thinking of it outside of myself it was still this it was it was turned into an art form it was almost outside myself right i'm projecting it outward like that's that's something I'm projecting onto this this event I'm putting together. That's that's just sort of a, you know, and that I think that that phrasing and that um, sort of imagery was just discussed by multiple people. It wasn't just something I came up with, but um, it was something we came, we came to as a group. But mm-hmm. to say that um, I still think about that sentence and that experience very very often. Um, so anyway, it's it's the it's the question of allowing yourself that experience or preparing yourself for that experience, truly preparing yourself for that experience. Um, but I I don't know. I, again, this is such a mixed fucking bag, right? Because I think some control is important as someone who's let himself completely be devoured and dissolved. Um. I'm also at the point in my life, again, this is, you know, time and set and setting, if you will, but at this point in my life where I'm nearly 40 and, you know, I have um, uh, a family in the sense of like a a partner and and pets, but, um, you know, that's my family. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And it's like, I, I no longer feel... No one feels responsible to let myself be completely devoured or completely lose control in a situation where other, you know, there are other people depending on me keeping my shit together. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so at this point I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm like literally at at this point, my mind is turning the wheels and like chewing over this, this, these thoughts of like, right, what, what is the appropriate balance between control or 
letting yourself be devoured. And I think in most psychedelic conversations, the McKenna's and such would say, like, you can't retain any control. You have to fully let yourself, give yourself to the experience. And I'm at the point, maybe that's the point where I'm no longer in agreement is to say, um, at this, and again, it's like at this juncture in my life, that no longer feels appropriate. Um, but there are, there are places in my life where that was incredibly appropriate. And there, and I feel like now there are places for a more of a middle ground of, a, as you say, letting the, the negative emotions or thoughts or whatever come up uh, and to process those. Um, you know, my insecurities and my uh, failings, the things that you ignore of like, man, I was really an asshole to my partner or my friend or my family member or whomever. And you sort of, in your day-to-day experience, you sort of brush that off just as part of the egoic experience. And then suddenly you're you're stoned out of your gourd and you're like, oh man, I feel really bad about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's not a bad yeah. thing to like realize you could be a dick or... Um, Oh, there's a great um, yeah. psychedelic documentary called uh, Hoffman's Potion. It's a Canadian film, mostly about Canadian psychedelic researchers. Um, and uh, these were guys who were very early on doing experiments, and they say the most benefit that they had with LSD psychotherapy, were, they were originally trying to treat schizophrenia, and the mm-hmm. most success that they had was in treating alcoholics because they said that the LSD experience showed the alcoholics not so much what they were doing to themselves, but what they were doing to their loved ones and how they were treating their loved ones. And when they realized at how unfairly they were treating the people they loved, that was the impetus for them to actually seek some sort of... Um, you know, treatment, um, mm. to, to actually, you know, co- cut the addiction and, um, yeah. and, and face, face the alcohol. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm strongly of the mindset that there's, this stuff has a real, real use. Um, I guess I'm just, uh, yeah, that's, that's all really, really fascinating. Um, that, please. Yeah. It's funny that thing about LSD. It, it's so interesting to me how um, the 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 insight, like you said, I, I hadn't heard. I'd heard of the LSD thing, but I, I hadn't heard that it was specifically about you know how they were hurting their the people around them. I think that's really nice because I feel that I agree. I think that there's something about those kind of states that if you can connect with your feelings for other people in those moments, um, it, there's something about that that brings true for me maybe where I am now at the moment because I feel that what I'm afraid of usually with these kinds of states is the descent into a solipsistic kind of uh, nightmare where everyone around you stops existing as their own kind of beings. Oh man, I've been there. Yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Like this way in which like sync 
can and that's that's the scary thing isn't it that it's not that's that's the scary thing about sync that it's not just psychedelics um it's it's being completely sober and seeing that your friend's t-shirt aligns with something you heard on the radio that aligns with something that you saw on the street and so on and then the difference between different spaces different places different people starts to be obliterated and the difference between different times starts to be obliterated and it all merges into one big sort of solipsistic moment and i feel that if you can somehow break through into an actual social aspect of this right actually uh relating to someone else in those moments feeling the ways in which you have hurt or loved or or uh, or been hurt been like like moments that affirm the the existence of everyone else <laughs> something because psychedelics and sync can sometimes be like a constant exercise in in like affirmation of your own existence like this sort of constant all is one and it is all me kind of thing but it's i i kind of like when it 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 adds the other element into the balance which is that y- just the 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 the, the non solipsistic <laughs> perspective personally in my experience those i think have been the moments when these kinds of experiences have felt more healing uh but Absolutely. again yeah. yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean it's like yeah to to get you, pull your head out of your own ass um and you know and i would even i would even throw into this that even if uh you know, even if someone is in the solipsistic nightmare, being good to the quote-unquote other, even if you're only able to see it as an asset of yourself, is still an important lesson in self-love. Um, where it's like, oh, this is all me. Well, I still need to fucking be nice to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so there, I feel like there is a lesson there, but... I. That being yeah. said, I, I totally agree with you. Like the, you know, hey, um, I, you know, getting high and being like, man, I should really call my grandmother, <laughs> you know, instead of like, man, I want to go out and party. It's like, man, I really should fucking be, man, I, 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 yeah. I should really be this better person. I should, you know, stuff like that. Um, those, those yeah. are the things that I ultimately take uh, real value in. Um, yeah exactly suddenly not yeah not not being afraid of of calling someone that you you needed to call or not being yeah all these kind of things yeah it's funny how it's shying away from intimacy (laughs) shying away from uh you know it's i think particularly for the ego and the the you know again head up your ass sort of spaces it's like realizing that you have a your your duty and your your connections with others are um really more important than your own bullshit uh, <laughs> um yeah it's it's funny this thing about um how the in the solipsistic nightmare um I, there is a way in which i i i've always felt there is some kind of a strange 
um, fallacy or something that you can get into where if you have people in front of you and and I, I understand this gets tricky, but if you if you have a person in front of you and somehow some experience leads you to redefine them as a character in a dream or a character in an artificial intelligence, you know, or, I mean, in a virtual reality or whatever thing you choose to redefine them as, uh, they're still people. Like, it's, it's, like, it, it's obviously um, complicated, but I think that there is some strange way in which our culture maybe uh, has an obsession with uh, let's say legitimizing violence as long as you define the other as not existing fully, not being truly real, not as real as oh, you are. Gotcha. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're an NPC, so, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, you know, I mean that, that the, mo the modern version of that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's that, sorry, I just cut you off. But like you, no, you no. see the extreme versions of that from like slavery, and it's like, oh, black people aren't even human, or you know, just yeah. um, you know, they're they're lesser for in the Holocaust. You know, it's like these are these are an, an undesirable race of people, or I see this in the reptilian um, conspiracy. Uh, that's yes. always been my concern with the reptilian conspiracy is quote they're not even human it's like well then you you're allowing yourself to do anything to this thing if they're not human then you would re remove any sympathy any empathy any um compassion uh and i see this in the last few years with this sort of npc meme of like these you know you're you're the one who's awake they're all just you know cogs in the matrix and they're not even real uh that it's a terrifying uh, example. These are extreme examples, but I think every day, to yeah. some extent, most of us ha display aspects of that line of thinking. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that solipsistic. Sorry, yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm with you 100%. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I was just like, it, it, I agree that that the scary, I think what I find really scary about that is to see that um, when I thought that this kind of solipsistic mindset was something that only happened in these kinds of intense states. But like you say, you, you when you start to think of how this solipsistic state seems to work and how it justifies its um actions you see that th there is something about this solipsistic state of mind that in a in a less intense in a less uh full-on mushroom dose way is operative in in the minds of of like like like, like you say that that in all of history in all of sober history, so to speak, uh, waking life history, there is this kind of a, um, this tendency can exist. Uh, this tendency to, like you say, for us to 
to redefine other things as not real. I know, I think it sort of makes me think of, um, I, I'm very interested in R.D. Lang, a psychiatrist, uh, who, who um, he sort of tried to look at the ways in which certain traits that we associate to psychosis seem to be present in a more abstract and maybe more subtle way in all sorts of uh, institutions and attitudes and cultural sort of status quo assumptions that we have. Um, so it, it's, that's pretty interesting. Um, it does speak to, I mean, I mean, it speaks to a lot of things. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. So can I ask where, um, maybe sort of just uh, pull out of that for a second is to say, I'm curious where you're at these days of, um, you know, figuring out how to integrate that stuff. So you mentioned like trying to um, be around people and uh, is that, it's funny, uh, maybe mm. f <laughs> funny mm -hmm. is the wrong word, but ironic timing that you would in january be like you know what i really want to pull my head out of my room and engage more with people and then we go into this uh, sort of uh, quarantine period uh, <laughs> where that that's removed that option is removed you're in barcelona right yep so yeah. what was that um what was that like yeah um no, absolutely. It, it's funny because, like, I mean, it's not funny uh, again, but it, it's sort of as if, uh, it, exactly. I mean, for me personally, that was the the sequence of events. It was almost as if in January I had an epiphany, sort of, and it, that's the cool thing. I, I'd never had this kind of epiphany. It wasn't a an introspective psychedelic epiphany where i'm alone in my room having an epiphany it was sort of something more to do with society and more with suddenly becoming more interested in yeah in, in relating to other people being outside and and so to be honest that's the that's the funny thing my my kind of uh plan for all of march and april uh, and may i i sort of was planning on just spending very very little time on the computer and in my room uh, <laughs> um, and it almost feels as if so okay I'm just gonna suggest one thing it, it's maybe not a good idea to suggest but it's as if there is like a way in which the the solipsistic and the non-solipsistic play around or sort of intertwine with each other in that uh, I feel as if obviously these kinds of moments can very easily spark a solipsistic moment. I mean, you know, COVID in this context, and I suppose for all sorts of different people, it will have, you know, sparked different kind of things, but um, just this feeling that when sync when things sink in such a way that it seems to directly respond to something that you're intending to do, like I'm intending to go out and then something directly prevents you from doing that. Um, I feel almost as if 
for me personally, like to, to, to answer sort of how I've tried to deal with that or relate to that is that somehow in some macabre way, I feel that this whole experience has kind of been a way for me to teach myself to pull away from sync in some way and to pull away from superstition and, and the, the little details of sync, um, and it's almost as if, in some again weird hermetic way, sync itself has played a role in how I've tried to pull away from sync. Um, because these kinds of moments, when you when you're yeah you're, you're trapped in your room, um, thinking about this stuff and how it relates to your life, you. Uh, you soon realize the ways in which it's not serving you. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to articulate what I mean with this, uh, but yeah. I do, I do <laughs> think I understand. I mean, it's like, um, you know, it's sort of like Zen, you know, the Zen teaching of like, all right, you know, throw, throw the books away, you know, like, you reach a point where the the teachings themselves have to be discarded for you to actually integrate them um, because you're going to see all the ways in which you need to bend mm. those rules or you you know like where how do you actually apply it to this situation uh, and the the conceptual the academic the um, the neurotic the you know the uh, yeah, the intellectual, philosophical, those things can be barriers for full integration, particularly into a, a living societal uh, space. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because um, it's as if I don't know if you know. Uh, again, each sync person <laughs> deals with this in a different way but i feel as if i had got into, into a space where i was treating sync very much as omens or guidance or admonitions you know as if they were literally messages to be followed to to, to on which my actions needed to be guided in some way so you know, and so if you see something that seems to suggest that you should do this, you do this. And if you see something that seems to suggest that you shouldn't do this, you, you don't do it. And that quickly really kind of descended into an almost OCD kind of state where these messages became smaller and smaller and more abundant and more abundant. So that suddenly it was the the slight whispering of wind would indicate something that I should or should not do. You know, the slight gleam of light on a wall would indicate something. And I think that the insight I, I kind of got is I realize how much this is just a, a superego in some way. It's just sort of like some big authority figure telling you, you should, you know, you can do this and you should do that. <laughs> and I was literally just sort of like acting as some sort of a, a surf to this big king figure. Sure, that, yeah. It, it, in, it, you know. <laughs> it's no longer intuitive, like that 
the the thing you're hoping uh-huh. for of like listening to the omens should be like this very natural sort of uh, synergetic experience and instead you create a, a list of rules and biases about these if this archetype appears this is what it means and this is how i act and you you become a computer it's like if this then that yeah um oh gosh yeah that was i think um in 2016 my sort of breakdown was uh in largely because of that um where i just i had a series of uh synchronicities that i didn't really put too much thought into it was just like well this is clearly what is being you know asked of me in this moment um yeah and i again you know at this point the all these years later it wasn't necessarily the wrong decision um i'm very happy with you know where my mm-hmm. life is and all these sorts of things and so i in a way trust I, I trust my my decisions and my uh you know I'm not, not like I have regrets or anything like that but um I don't think that's a good way to live at all is yeah to to interpret everything um to interpret every sign every whisper as a rule or an you know um as you say a instruction to then act in a certain way that's it's so robotic um yeah dangerous you know it's dangerous to your to your to your life um because you've you've cut out reasoning you've cut out intuition you've cut out your uh you know following your heart and your 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 happiness and um and compassion for others and all those sorts of things uh yeah yeah, and it's funny because um, it's it's like you say that uh, this kind of what's funny is that the the thing that in my mind, probably in the mind of other people, seems to justify these kind of things is just how much it sometimes seems to work. Uh, how much sometimes it can give you this weird like power high where it seems like you're surfing the crest of a wave perfectly and you're you're kind of taking a turn here and it proves it seems to prove right to to you that that yes you listen to the intuition correctly because x y and z just happened uh and it's what you thought would happen when you did this and so on. And the funny thing is that and another another thing I've I've been trying to think about is just that just because something works doesn't mean you should do it. Just because um like th- there is a way in which like you can have this sort of incredible line of sync messages if you want to call them that that seems to suggest that that you know you gotta do this and 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 this will happen, but I think that there is some value in exercising again, yeah, a, a complete a complete freedom, a freedom that is not mechanical, where you don't know what's going to happen, um, because that, well, yeah, it, it it makes space for for the other, right? And the other is 
and other human beings, you know, with with wills that run counter to your own, with ideas and opinions that run counter to your own. Um, yeah. And it's scary also. Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> oh, I was just coughing. Huh? <laughs> All right. Well, I was just to, to, I was just wondering, it's strange also how another thing that's scary about this to me is that it can it was easy for me to think that I was in some sort of a yeah, like you say, kind of like an intuitive state that because of it because of its numinous mystical nature was more um I don't know how to say it, more sort of uh good, <laughs> more aligned with the good or something. And it, it's funny because you 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 realize that I realized that getting into that neurotic OCD style following of signs, the the whole structure of of like you say the the why I'm choosing this sign over this other one, or why I'm judging this synchronicity to mean this or not that, all of these judgments they seem to come from like. In my case, they just seem to come from a Freudian id kind of place, from a really kind of like a place filled with uh, potentially super antisocial kind of uh, ideas. Um, and and then you realize that, oh God, you know, I thought I was like surfing the mystical wave and maybe I'm, I'm just sort of really indulging in my shallow sort of... Uh, projection sort of my shallow prejudices and fears about oh this sign clearly means this because of some stupid fear i have or i, I don't know <laughs> uh well hmm. so i just want to say i think there's one of the things that i, I hear you're getting hung up on hmm. is the this idea of right is this is this good is is, like, is this the right decision? Um, so like I remember uh, give an example like uh, I know Doug years ago mentioned on a podcast like they were him and his wife were looking for a house this was years ago they were looking for a house and there was a house that they looked at where the house number was forty two. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well then clearly this is the house, right? <laughs> And then he realized, like, at some point in the process, he's like, this house sucks, and this is the wrong decision for, you know, whatever reasons, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nope, 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 yeah. okay. And I think it's really important to fucking check yourself of, like, um, you know, maybe there was something in that house for him if he went for it, but, you know, right or wrong, it's like, this is just, it, it just is what it is. Um, so we were... Uh, Last year, my partner and I were looking for an apartment to move into. We were moving out of one apartment into another, and uh, I had a repeat of that because she was like, oh, look, this, the apartment number, not the apartment number, the, uh, the address was like one of our birthdays. Mm. And uh, I was like, that's, that's so cool. That's got to be a sign, right? And I was like, and I thought of Doug, and I'm like, I don't know, not necessarily, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a yeah. funny synchronicity. I don't know that it needs to be a sign. I didn't particularly like the apartment we were looking at. I'm like, I don't think just because it's my birthday doesn't mean that I need to live here. Um, 
now just yes. again just this, <laughs> this is so this is like where reasoning and 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 you know self-determination comes in and, the, and all that sort of stuff but i also want to say this idea of right or wrong is as i said the, the choices i made in 2016 which in a while, some ways i am like well those were dumb those were choices made based on blindly following what i you know what i thought sinks were telling me to do uh and that I could say, well, that was foolish to not really put more thought into it. But again, I, I'm very happy with where I'm at. So then I'm like, well, it wasn't necessarily the wrong move. Uh, the right yeah. and wrong is, is, is such, a, such a trap, um, linguist, linguistically uh, in particular. Um, but I'll give one more example. Like I, it's sort of like it's more about manifesting or creating your reality in a way that uh, could be a be careful what you ask for if you want to put a negative spin on it or just uh, fully accept, you know, it's prepare to be devoured. It's like, well, what, how do you prepare yourself for that? So I think back to I spent years thinking about the so I grew, I was born in 1980. Mm-hmm. I growing up would hear about oh the JFK assassination and people like adults in whenever I heard adults or like even like on the TV you know comedians making a joke about it whatever like the cultural awareness I had of what the JFK assassination meant was people being like yeah that probably was a conspiracy but oh well life goes on we just kept doing the thing. And I'm like, how the fuck? You're telling me that you all know that this like this happened, and everyone just kept living their lives, and there were no repercussions. There wasn't like a fucking revolution. There wasn't like none of this. Like you all just, I couldn't yeah. get it. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, and I couldn't wrap my head around the way in which people related to it. This cognitive dissonance. Like, yeah, of course. Um, and that fascinated me. And I really wanted to be able to understand that. And then, of course, 9-11 happens. And I'm like, oh, this is a conspiracy and all this sort of stuff. And I watch people go through those steps. And where it's like, well, there's not too much you can do about it. You know, even with uh, people tried. People tried to make a movement out of 9-11 truth and all these sorts of things. Um and I, I guess it's sort of like careful what you wish for or, or whatever it is. It's like, well, now I can understand that. Um, there was, I, I got that lesson. Uh, I don't know that it was necessarily a good lesson or one that I mm-hmm. realized that I really, really wanted. Um, <laughs> or like even uh, I see this with Jordan recently where it was like, he felt like, man, I really need to be in New York and, I think he felt this connection to 9-11 and all these sorts of things. And then he moves to New York just in time for what is being compared to like the, the new 9-11, right? Is this uh, coronavirus in New York City and, and you know, they're, they're in particular being this sort of epicenter again. And it's like, okay, so he got, he, he will come out of this with an experience or an understanding that, 
maybe he didn't want as viscerally <laughs> when he was thinking about it. Um, but again, like I, it's it's hard for me to put right or wrong labels onto any of that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of more understanding, like, well, if this is what you're, if this is where your head is at, and this is where you're, if you're going, if you, if you allow yourself this total submission to synchronicity, um, then the, not everything's going to be pleasant. Uh, <laughs> certainly, um, there's plenty of real, real hardships that come with that. Uh, but yeah, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing or a good thing. I, I, I can almost would relate that to psychedelics of like, if you really succumb to the experience again, you're going to let the bad stuff coming through isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. So as we said, the, the lessons, the lessons that come through in the, not necessarily a bad trip, but, uh, the, the, the difficult things that come up that you've maybe suppressed or buried and you're like, shit, now I really have to deal with this aspect of my mind that I don't like to think about. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's really a, that's a, such a a trippy part of this because I, I agree. I mean, the, the funny thing is how all of that, um, let's say, yeah, all of these sort of decisions that I feel I took that were bad decisions, and that I've been sort of reflecting on these months, um, have like it's trippy because the 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 ref, the reflecting on them has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me like being having the opportunity to reflect on these things uh has been really incredible and and i've been sort of reflecting on all sorts of like childhood stuff like just all the ways in which maybe i haven't been exactly haven't been taking the right decisions quote unquote like and it's weird because it's like the ability, like the, the way that I've been reflecting on that. It's such a sort of like weird um, the duality thing where, where the, the, the these a lot of these things, um, a lot of these uh, different decisions and issues and, and, and problems uh, I feel shared amongst all sorts of people. And so somehow having the opportunity to reflect on these things and, and really feel them and see them in the way that these kinds of uh, moments allow you to feel them is, is then... <laughs> in a Terence McKenna sort of way, it's something that you can bring back to the community in some way, even if the community uh, is just like a conversation you have with your flatmate or something like that, that um, it, it's this weird way in which everything that was bad. It's so tricky again, because I, yeah, I feel I have to use these words almost like metaphorically or something This sort of uh, good and bad, but it's as if everything that was bad, um, when, when, when you gain 
awareness of how it has affected you or when you have some sort of insight about it, then that insight itself becomes really good. But the bad thing, it's but the insight being good is good without making the bad thing not be bad. Like it's as if uh, the, 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 the trippy thing about it, I feel, is that it's this mix between sinky orchestration and everything being in a in a weird sort of neatly interconnected web and the possibility of just pure random um stuff like you say like like buying a, an apartment you don't like or something uh, like it, it's weird how those two things coexist like there can be a, both a sinky and a random aspect to it or something. Uh, and maybe even that sort of just putting it into a dual kind of nature is too orchestrative of me. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah. No, it's oh, really no. interesting. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, there's a... Uh... I'm saying it's like the, the the language around this makes it so hard. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, again, the sort of lesson the lesson uh, of the psychedelic of the synchronistic of of all these things is seems to be uh, connected to something in that sense of morality. Um, mm. you, and I don't. I'm not trying to encourage like a a complete amoral, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I I I do think there's this again. The language is so difficult. I do think there are certain decisions that are right and wrong decisions or actions uh, from a sense of again, you know, just treating your yourself and your fellow man as compassionate um beings uh i think i think there is there is something there in all of that um but yeah definitely there's there's a, a complication around trying to make anything just black or white because it's it's never going to be um so if i may sort of uh, turn this one more thing into another a different dichotomy is mm. uh you made a comment at the onset about making audience-based artwork um yeah <laughs> so i'm just curious where that puts you in the sense of like and, I, and again I, I sympathize with that tremendously for for a number of reasons i'm just curious where that puts you in the sense of like uh creating something for yourself or, you know, almost like uh, for a loved one, like, you know, when you're a kid and you make a, a birthday card out of construction paper, you know, it's like that's, it's an, for an audience, but it is done for a totally different reason. It is done as a, um, it's a much more personal and intimate creation. Um, and then there's mm -hmm. things you make for yourself because you want them or because you, want to explore that or whatever it might be. And I'm just sort of curious where where your head is at these days in that sort of distinction. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. I think... Well, one exercise that I've been doing these months was I started just writing notes uh, in a notepad uh, and notes about ideas, about the kind of things that I would usually like to make a video about, uh, about synchronicity and, and things like that. And I was sort of experimenting with the idea of just writing these things down for myself things that if I weren't writing them down, I would find more difficult to think about. And furthermore, I could see the social implication of that because I could see that clearing my thoughts by making art, by writing, by, I even sort of did some watercolors and stuff like that. And, and but clearing my thoughts and my emotions and, uh, or doing that kind of stuff, it, it sort of seemed to be a process by which I was uh, dealing with hang-ups surrounding socialization because my, my hang-ups surrounding socialization, I think, have to do with um, not quite knowing how to express myself, especially in big, like big groups of people and so on, and saying things that I, that I don't believe just because I know that they won't cause a conflict or maybe saying things that are, you know, just this sort of issue of self-expression. Oh, like people-pleasing, so, just people. Yes. Yeah. I, like like not, not knowing how to express myself when I felt the pressure of difference in front of me people may have the different opinion with the, uh, like and and so it's weird because I, I do feel that there is a, a way in which expressing yourself without an audience um is well yeah there is on the one hand this sort of helpful side to it uh in that you're just sort of experimenting with with allowing stuff to come out, which furthermore, and maybe this is the important thing, it's stuff, this is like the, the, the good thing about journaling, I guess, that there's stuff that I just wouldn't make a video about, um, <laughs> right? Because it's too personal or, and so on. And so, and there's stuff that you maybe wouldn't even tell to your friends. Like, so th there is some way in which, uh, Thinking about these things without expressing them in some material way doesn't seem to have exactly the same effect. I feel that there is something about actually materializing these emotions and thoughts that somehow completes the process or, or helps it move uh, or move forward in some way. Um, and and I think that's one thing I was noticing with YouTube and and, and stuff that I was sort of noticing that my videos were leaning towards a sort of uh, spontaneity that I don't think was sort of necessarily, um, I don't know how to put this, suitable <laughs> for YouTube. Uh, by this I mean that I could feel that I was experimenting with 
making videos where I was just allowing myself to be completely spontaneous and really just express myself and not even edit it and just have it as this raw kind of thing. And I realized that I, I was trying to achieve something with YouTube that wasn't really meant for YouTube. I was trying to, um, like, I was trying to do the kind of thing that I would like to do in society with, with people. Like it was almost as if I was trying to push out of the envelope envelope mm -hmm. of, of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. Okay. Yeah. Like mm. you want to just like be with people and be your authentic self and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. that's like, yeah, the question of whether or not that is the, if YouTube is the place for that is a, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a tricky. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a tricky I mean, question just because to say, yeah. uh, I I I I found, and I, I don't mean to hijack your train of thought here. I just want to mm -hmm. throw a personal perspective on that. Is I struggled with when this you know doing always record was something that in the beginning I was it just seemed so unwieldy here's just you know us you know just some guys chatting and the conversation's going wild and maybe it's three hours long and like should we be editing this down and i remember in the very beginning have a conversation with uh david and bill and saying like is this a, something where we should take the time and edit it down to like a really strong hour or whatever and they were the mindset of like ah just let it all hang out and if it's if it's good it's good and if it's not it's not and whoever listens listens and you know they they allowed me to sort of be comfortable with that as you say the spontaneity the unedited and all that that being said it's never going we when we had a a bigger audience than i expected to for something like that but it's certainly not um it's not the kind of thing that I would ever expect to have any real success uh, in in the terms, the quote-unquote success in the terms of like, you know, building a YouTube channel or a, or a podcast or anything like that is people like shorter, concise thought, at, you know, whether it's, whether it's more, it doesn't have to be necessarily more produced, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. So there's all, all those sorts of things that I would think. And then I have tried to make things. So then I was like, uh, I'm sure you've seen, I used to do these videos, Sync Quick News. And oh, that yeah. came <laughs> out of um, basically butting my head up against this this sort of question of like the unedited, the the spontaneous spontane mm -hmm. spontaneous excuse me um versus the produce the edited the whatever and i was like almost out of frustration i made i made the first sync quick news out of frustration because i had a conversation with i think guillaume and will morgan and a few other people where they kept saying these having this sort of thing i was like well i think i know what would be popular is if you could get something down to just a few minutes long and it's really fucking fast 
and it's just like boom spitfire and it's i was i was arguing that it was dumbed down and i didn't want to do that but people it was almost like a challenge of could you make something that was successful and i was like well Mm -hmm. if i was going to do that this is how i would do it and i made that first episode almost to show um Gosh, I didn't remember. I mean, I'd had this, I had discussed it for over a year. And then there was one day it was like, I think I was talking to Guillaume and JJ Draw, and they, it was like, something was said, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to make you a video so you can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just fucking make one. And I made this, you know, first episode. And then, of course, that spiraled into a thing where it actually was popular. And I, quote unquote, popular for for what we were doing at the time. It was never anything huge, but it was mm. at the moment it was more popular than a lot of other shit I was doing. So it was like, oh, you see, this is people really like this, and I was resentful of the fact that people liked it. I was so resentful of the fact that people liked it because I was like, this yeah. is my, exactly my point. So I was like, I dumbed it down, and people like it. Why don't they like it when I'm being true? When I'm actually saying the things I want to say and I'm being myself and all this sort of shit, people don't give a fuck. But when I go, hey, it's, oh my God, is it? And then people are like, that's great. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. I hate that you like this. <laughs> and I really, like, I really had it. Like, I'm such fucking yeah. inner turmoil about it. And um, I, uh, yeah. that being said, I have now with all this time that's passed that's sort of how i'm approaching this current 2020 series was like realizing that hey there is a middle ground there's and there there were things that i learned from doing sync quick news that i actually genuinely enjoyed man you know there there were some of those videos i loved fucking making and some of them i was really annoyed at making and um Figuring out what I actually liked, what I didn't like, what what worked, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and ultimately mm. saying, coming to the conclusion <coughs> that producing something isn't, and and respecting people's time isn't necessarily a bad thing. Hey, I really I want to address this topic, so let me take the time to really think about what I want to say yeah. and and respect your time as a viewer and and respect myself and the thoughts enough to give them proper time to think it through and really mull over what do I want to say here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then maybe still produce it enough that like, yeah, it's if 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 me doing this little editing trick is making it more inviting and allowing more people to watch it instead of being resentful. It's again, it's not like selling out your, your, you're not compromising your artistic integrity just to make it more digestible. Uh, you're, you're just, again, you're just kind of respecting an audience to say, Hey, I really, I really want to talk to you about this thing. How can I best meet you? What's, what's a good middle ground that we can meet on to actually address these topics is not compromising your artistic integrity. And I realized that a lot of that negativity I felt around, it was just, you know, my-